On today's show, we have apprehensions about a trip to Europe, and John tells a story about the dangers of Greek translation in sermons. Then, I asked John for ruling on whether I was out of line after trolling one of my neighbors on Facebook. Also, a conversation about partisanship in the media and how we're all being pitted against one another. Today's episode is not sponsored by the CRISPR drawer, the absolute best place to let your vegetables slowly rot. Let's do it. Top of the morning to you. It's talk about that. <laughs> What's that? You said chin up right before we started. Oh, it made me think, oh, up. top of the morning to you. Is chin up a, an old Irish saying? It feels like it's from the British Isles. So oh, okay. I don't know if it it could be chin up, my friend. Yeah, yeah. It's a like we always we watch a lot of British shows. So, shows, yeah. so we'll say things like instead of doing my part, we'll say we did our bit. Okay, so I did I've, my bit. Yeah. And like I told you, my mom's name in my phone because I use a British Siri. It won't recognize oh, mom. Like mum. It's mum. So I'll said he was a little bit like cold mum. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's got a little bit of a European flavor to it. Yeah. That's it's nice. I, I want to go. I've not been to Europe outside of Iceland, which most people don't consider that, but it is. It's where the North American and the European tectonic plates You've seen, oh, yeah. You've seen volcanoes and all kinds of fun stuff over there, right? I did. Reykjavik. Uh, yeah, Reykjavik, man. It was amazing. Uh, I want to go back and I want to go keep going. I want like a month in Europe. So, listener, uh, go to my Patreon page. Okay. And- it's like GoFundMe. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah uh, for you to be more culturally enriched, wasn't that the? Well, that's the thing here. This is a true John Driver story because you were, as a part of your scholarship, uh, you had a full ride scholarship. You were given a semester abroad, yeah, and you could have done anything with that. Most kids go to Paris and they just go stay drunk and they go. My semester abroad, I learned about wine and cheese. You went on a missions trip to Iceland, yeah. And, uh, I don't regret it. It's a John Driver story. I, though I do think at that age of life, although I was married already, a newlywed, that was the hard part of the trip. But uh, in retrospect, you know, Caleb, our friend Caleb, whenever he graduated, yeah. went and backpacked across Europe for like two and a half, three weeks with his friend who's from Germany who played on the soccer team. With I don't him. think I knew this. Yeah. Like Caleb wouldn't have the adventure of a lifetime, you know. Wow. And, and, you know, now he's married. And, you know, I don't think I would just take a backpack and just head into Germany. <laughs> it just does not feel safe. I know. It's I know a, the war is over, but it's like it just feels like. Yeah, I'm just going to go to Germany and well, just you plan see what a, happens. You plan a little bit more than oh, that. Okay. Yeah, you, you're hopping trains and, and sleeping. You're hopping trains. No, you're getting on trains. You're buying okay. tickets. Hopping <laughs> trains feels a little bit more like a. It's a Sleep, hobo. Sleeping in hostels. What? Yeah. It's hostel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. That is a weird thing for a. Yeah, it's people. They're very nice. It's called a hostel. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna love it. Oh my goodness! I would go. Listen, I'm too old now. Probably, I'm scared. It. I'm one of those guys. I'm such the ugly American because I don't. It's not like I think like other countries don't have it together and it's going to be you know whatever conditions. I understand. I've seen you know I've seen enough movies. I know that there's, big, there's big cities. Stuff. There's big cities and all this stuff. But it's like I feel intimidated by like okay, what outlets do I need to bring adapters? Uh, yeah. Am I going to, I'll just hand, I'll just like, am I just going to hold out enough money and hope they take the right amount? Like, I feel like a lot of that's going to happen. Although it's, maybe it's all digital now and you just be like, here, I'm going to Apple pay this. Yeah. Cultural intimidation is a real thing. Like there is a, I don't, I think because I, one of the things in life is I really don't want to look stupid or be blamed for being wrong. And so, yeah, when you, and, in. You well, know, and it's how, Europe, how Europe views America too, and how right. we probably view Europe as well. Like well, we don't you, take the time to learn the language right. when we go, and all those. We're things. the only ones that aren't on the metric system. We're yeah. just like, nope, inches. <laughs> Eat it. 
Well, Britain's still on the metric system. See, Johnny, we... No, they're not. Are, are they? They're metric. That's what yeah, I'm saying. They, the only, I the, think yeah, they still do miles instead of meters. Oh, in, in Britain? You know what? That's a great question for all our British listeners. Because we're, uh, we're the imperial... What is it called? The imperial system? Is that what we're called? What's the... Standard. They call it just standard. I we think. call it standard because we're like, second. it's the standard. I don't, I don't know. I think what, it's imperial. It's been a while, Johnny. I believe it's called the imperial system, but I could be wrong. Which is a real, like... Yeah. That's like, we'll decide for you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're the ones who were the holdouts and we're just like, let the world adapt to us. And so when somebody says like, it's 50 kilometers, we're like, oh, uh, our head explodes. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I really worry about driving the wrong side of the road because I run on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, you run towards and traffic. So I'm used to being on the wrong side of the road. Mm. But then I think, well, that messed me up. And will I like... Forget. Rever- it's like backing up a trailer. The reverse of the reverse is your friend. Wait, no, right. that's the enemy. Turn the into enemy. the skid. It's got to be your. When you start hydroplaning, <laughs> <laughs> turn into the turn. Turn into the turn of the it's, skid. It's when yeah. you go the opposite of how you want to go. Right. No left. Sorry, but I was looking in the rearview mirror when I did it. So now what? Oh my goodness! Uh, and somebody held up a sign that said "Red Rum," and I was like, "It's murder!" And then you run, <laughs> screaming into the. Well, the weird thing is that the wheel, your steering wheel, be on the wrong side. That's the other weird thing. Oh, so right. Not only are you on the left side of the road, you're on the right side of the car. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, Johnny. I think there's a lot that could, could go wrong with that if I just forget. Like if I let my guard down, yeah. people will die, and I don't want to. I and don't want that, that. Just like our lives, man, Sometimes. guys. Thanks for listening today. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like you're on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> but on the right side of the car. Wait. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I do feel like all the cars, too, they're going to be much smaller. Like they're all going to be Mini Coopers. The people are smaller. In Britain? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't you think there's per capita more fat people I in think, America? I, I think, well, I was just speaking. I'm not being judgmental. I just mean like Europeans are less fat. I think you could probably look that up and see like the average weight. height. There's no way to know, guys. We're fatter. That'd be a weird thing to Google. I think Americans are known for being like the excess. I know that we've done that in our lives, but like, I don't know if we can take that in. Like buffets. Like buffet is a very American thing. Just like eat, well, eat until you're done. Even though it's a French word. Don't eat. Don't stop eating until you hate yourself. Guys, I don't know if we ever told you this story, but it, it, but we can't say the word buffet without saying it. <laughs> so when we were in college, uh, we were working with... Uh, a youth pastor at a church and we were both on youth staff there volunteer and, and helping out on the worship team and is there a paid youth staff person somewhere there might be, have to, be, oh, a, mega, to be a mega yeah, church yeah, yeah. Just let I'm not know. the youth pastor but I'm making pretty good coin <laughs> doing setting it. up these water balloons let me tell you <laughs> and so uh, I we had a our, our youth pastor was in Bible college and he was learning all these Greek words and yeah. stuff and so he would exegete the Greek all yes. the time you know and it was real cool because you know where I came from we didn't do that a lot you know what I'm saying like I don't know what your it tradition was a strong was. hermeneutic background right it wasn't it certainly didn't get into the original languages and all those things so I was like oh this is cool you know and so uh, there was another guy in the church who also wanted to be a preacher uh-huh. and he I think felt. I think he felt a little, I don't know, I don't want to say intimidated, maybe jealous by the other preacher who was using all the Greek words. Yeah, he was more plain spoken, calm, you know, yeah, yeah, country. Was, yeah, we were up, we were south Knoxville. Yeah. Right, or east. Yeah, it was, it was, we were out there. We were yeah. out in the, in the boonies a little bit. Uh-huh. Great people, you know, but it was, it was, you know, we were Appalachia. Country, country church. Country folks. Yeah. And so he got up and he talked, I mean, he talked like this and I, yeah. guys, I kid you not, 
Mm. Uh, Johnny and I are both witnesses to this and can swear by it. We were there. He says, now I'm going to tell you right now, the Bible says that the devil comes to buffet you. Now, guys, in the Greek, buffet is the word buffet. Buffet. And that just means, Johnny? He'll lay it all out there for you. (laughs) He'll tempt you with all the... He just lays it all out before you. It's a chocolate fountain of... Uh, Johnny, I, I never forget us. There was a couple times at that church we looked at each other and thought, "We got how gotta, much longer we, we got to get out of here." <laughs> the devil comes to buffet you, yeah. guys, and isn't that just like our lives? <laughs> like, I wish the devil would put a buffet. I think the devil when he I, tries to put you in a golden corral <laughs> where he'll trap you, <laughs> and he'll say. No, you need to get an ex- You get a need to get a new plate every time you come. You're gonna have to get a new plate each time you come back to send some more. Because you are a servant of that buffet. Speaking of which, let's pass the plate, mm. and then you take up the offering <laughs> with a new it's plate a good, on every row. It's a new segue for the offering. Yeah, there you go. Which is from the Greek for moving around without. That's what segue. Yes, yeah. yes, it's from the Greek. Um, I like. I'll, I like in old churches that we would take up the offering in KFC buckets. I think we should bring that back. That's like a tent revivalist mindset, though. I don't think regular churches did that. I think you grew up with like a revivalist uh, grandfather and father, right? Well, and I grew up going, and I grew up going to like an African American church. We were like one of two white families in an African American church, yeah. and so growing up in a black church, it's just you meet in store. There's a lot of storefront churches that we helped out in, and. Um, so there was a lot of just like whatever you had that was your bucket. I remember the bags. Remember like there was like these bags with the sticks on the end. Yeah, they were easy to pass. That's a talk about a super spreader. Yeah. You wouldn't see those bags now. <laughs> now no. it's just like hang on. I'm just gonna boop 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 boop. Hit a few buttons on your phone. Yeah, which was, we need the shirts that just say I gave online. That's what everybody needs, or a sticker. Just wear it every week so people know. Yeah. You know you've had your reward, Johnny. <laughs> and this reward was a shirt. Didn't I have an? I think I had an idea for that, where it was like, um, what we should do for people who gave online. They should get like a sticker. Yeah, they with wear. a date on it, maybe. No, it could be fun, like a little frog that just says debit, debit. You know, like it would have like a funny little. You know, I forgot that. You hand them out to kids. Oh my goodness! Somebody today at uh, in a meeting I was in used the expression "that'll preach," and I was looking for that video that. We shot. You weren't there in the Caymans. Did you ever see that video? Oh, where everything you were doing, that'll preach. Yeah, but it was yeah. Weston. It yeah. was so funny as he opened it up, you know, in that video. That Because <laughs> that, oh, Debit Debit, everybody comes from an old video that we did as well. So remember that? Mm-hmm. What was the... I don't remember. It was Mort and Chet, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those where we were doing the little C-SPAN characters. Mort Wellington, Chet Simpson. Johnny and I have done <sighs> many videos as those characters. Too many. <laughs> we should bring them back sometime. Bro, let's cut those up and put them on TikTok. Do we ought to? Are you on TikTok? I'm I'm on there, but I'm not really active. See, I I need to be more active on the thing that I hate. Yeah, you know, that's the thing is like when I talk to my agent, I'm like, I got to get off social media. He was like, I need you to actually really ramp it up more. (laughs) Yeah, I had that talk with again some authors today, and same thing. Like they're on TikTok, but all of us of our age are a little afraid to actually post anything. Yeah, so we're just kind of doing it to share with our kids their life and Uh sharing funny things, you know, but. I feel like, yes, I, I feel like I'm a bad TikTok waiting to happen. Like someone's going to share what I put on for the wrong reasons. Yeah, like you're going to be made fun of. They're going to be like, this guy thinks he's cool. Yeah, this idiot. Well, because yeah. it, it originally was just for kids. I mean, it was kids doing like Fortnite dances and stuff like that. Right. And now it's moved on to like, 
The thing about TikTok that's kind of scary, but all of them do this, but TikTok is like the most insidious to me, is you like on Facebook, for instance, the algorithm can kind of sort of be controlled by you because you can mute everybody that doesn't like if you're a super conservative person and you have liberal people, you can mute them and still be friends, but you don't know them, but you don't see them in your feed anymore. Right. They don't know it. And then all of a sudden you have this very conservative feed and you're like, ah, oh, the world is very conservative. And you just are in this bubble that you made. TikTok's a little bit more insidious. Like if you have a TikTok feed where you're watching the video for more than a few seconds, they now begin to craft a more of that. Yep. And so it really does feed into like whatever. Let's say you have like this dark sense of humor like I do. And I'll sometimes I'll watch some videos. They're like, well, I'm not sharing that, but it made me laugh. Now it's all I get. <sighs> so now you've, you know what I'm saying? So now yeah. it's this weird and it's feeding that thing. So it's like, I don't know about all this. So yes. I want to be that for somebody else. I want to be, <laughs> I wanna be their the dark, dark video that pushes yeah. them over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> What's well, something to aspire to? So yeah. we'll get there. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I feel I feel weird just talking about it because yes, there may be some who go. Although they have a, the authors work with have a really big a really big Instagram platform, and they yeah. launched a TikTok platform okay. for what they do, and they ended up not they they shut it down because I think the, the vast majority of their audience on Instagram were not on TikTok. So I do think that there is an age yeah um, an age there that we cannot we have to be ashamed, Johnny. That we're of a certain age. I mean, it's just okay. We're the zennials. No, I'm a zennial. You're an X. I'm an X, bro. Yeah, I'm right Straight on the up. edge. So that's where you stay. The zen- dude, you're I'm gonna gotta live on the edge. Son of a gun. You can't help yourself. Um, so I had an experience. I wanted ruling from you on this because okay. I know I probably did the wrong thing. Okay, well, I'm happy to help. This is an online interaction. Oh. I normally don't interact at all, like with stuff like this, but we're in an HOA. And the HOA has a Facebook group. And quickly, the HOA got out of hand. The Facebook group got out of hand. So they've kind of – now they just call it – we're in this subdivision. It just says neighbors, you know, such whatever our resident or other, our subdivision is called then, neighborhood. But they used to say HOA. And they took that off because they were like, all right, y'all are just bickering about you know your pool, key fobs not working. And <clears throat> so – they this they kind of distance themselves from it, but these neighbors get in there and they, it's very it's very next door app where it's just like, keep your dogs in. I saw a coyote. It's some of that, and it's just like I saw a, a strange, suspicious car because that's the only there's only two speeds. John Acuff talked about there's only two speeds you can go in a neighborhood. It's like you're either going too slow and you're a suspicious person, or you're going too fast and you're a maniac. <laughs> right. Like you have to find that perfect balance between the two things. Like right. if you're going too slow, it's like what's this guy's deal? <laughs> He's, He's actually doing the house. speed limit. Yeah. So anyway, so I stay away. From, I watch it and I laugh at it sometimes. But we have a no solicitors rule, like most HOAs have. So, but yet you'll still get these kids rolling up on segways sometimes. Which is a weird thing, but these solicitors sometimes they're on these little like hoverboards. Oh yeah, no, like, they come to your door. They sell me pest control. And right, they sell yeah. pest control, Comcast, whatever it is. And you'll just be like, uh, and then sometimes I'll be like, man, you're not even supposed to. I don't, I don't, I don't just don't answer the door. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a don't answer the door guy. Oh wow. But even if I did answer the door, I have told one person I was like, man, you're not even supposed to be like you're not supposed to be soliciting in the neighborhood. I'm not. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but you're just not supposed to be here. But then our thing the other day, this guy posted. Solicitors in the neighborhood, the police have been called. Wow. I go, what? And so I didn't say anything. But then somebody was like, thank goodness that you're on the case, you know, because this person dared to try to make a living and feed their family. And like, it was just very, Uh, very snarky. Then this guy jumps in. Well, I'm on the neighborhood watch and it's clearly posted. He posted the sign of the neighborhood watch in front of the neighborhood. And I'm like, okay. 
the rules are the rules. But come on, we don't have to call the police on some kid right. who's just a college kid trying to get his quota of whatever pest control. And so there's a balance. And so I just thought it was amusing. And I was just watching. And then I remembered the guy who was being all militant. Like I'd seen him post like three days ago that, hey, uh, the <laughs> the Lebanon High coupon books are out and somebody just stopped by. What a great value. And it's clearly like he's posting for his kid. Yeah. If they come to your house, make sure you. And so I just screenshotted that and I go, Curry, can <laughs> I? Funny. She goes, do it. Burn it down. So I posted the screenshot and I posted the caption was like, it's getting out of control. <laughs> And it was his post, underneath his oh, post. I got to know what happened. He didn't care for it. <laughs> <laughs> this is totally different. You know, it was totally different to him because this benefits the school. And I'm like, it's not totally different. I didn't say it. I dropped it. But then somebody else was like, got him. And then that really made it worse because somebody started memeing, like, with all these, you know, GIF images of, like, got him, burnt, burnt, boy, like that kind of thing. Oh, no. So that made him mad. Like, y'all are being juvenile. You know it's not the same thing. And then someone was like, I'm a Lebanon high school student, and I'm glad that that we're allowed to. I was like, okay, you can be glad, and I support the school. But it is the same thing. You're bringing a product to my house to sell it to me that I did not ask for. That's soliciting. Just because it benefits somebody. By the way, we don't have kids, and we definitely don't have kids in Lebanon high school, so I really could care less. So it's like, I'll buy a coupon book. I'm not saying coupon books are bad, but it's the same thing. Did you say all of that, or is this what you're no, telling me? No, 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 this, me? Is what, this is what I'm telling you're you. You're telling me this in the privacy is, of this private conversation. What I'm saying, is, what I'm saying is his argument is flawed, and I chose not to engage because I was like, this guy, he's going to come find where I live probably. But he felt like he was on edge. But anyway, it just was weird, and I was like, is this – I'm not – but I shouldn't have engaged at all. I shouldn't have screenshotted the guy, but it was just <laughs> – I was really just kind of – it wasn't like a, I'm going to show him. It was like a, this is a funny – like, hypocrisy is kind of a glitch with me, so it was kind of like yeah. a funny, like, all right, but this is something you did three days ago. You want my ruling? Yeah. You really want the ruling? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. What As I- a pastor, Johnny. No, I think actually... We walk in love even when they don't, oh brother. Oh, my goodness. I actually think it's different because... Okay. I think what benefits the neighborhood... Yeah. And if that would be by definition not the neighbor association, but the people in the neighborhood. Yeah. So if the kid soliciting for pest control uh-huh. lives in the neighborhood, then I'm not sure it's soliciting anymore. It's just neighbors. But it's very – I think it's so funny. So I was in a meeting today, and again, they're Enneagram experts, and yeah. they said they were talking something out, and you'll love this. One's a six, one's a nine. And one of them said to the other, it's like you live in a foreign country, mm-hmm. and I don't always understand – the cultural rules of what it's like to live where you are from. Yeah. So I think we could all probably sympathize with that if you're in marriage, especially or relationships. Like there are times that you just see the world differently. And it's like I cross this border and I do something offensive, you know, back to our European travels. I cross over and I'm out of sorts and I don't know that I am. I'm just doing what I would normally do. But it's here, here that's offensive, though yeah. it's not where I'm from. So I think that your neighborhood's a little bit of its own ecosystem. Right, and you got so many people with so many strong standpoint. opinions, too. And somebody else was like, it's a safety issue. I can't, you know, and it was like, just don't answer your door. Like, if you're that right. afraid, it's not a gated community. Yeah. So people were trying to act like, if we just let strangers just come to our doors <laughs> randomly, like I'm, like I'm, I don't know. It was just, it was funny how far it 
went. I was just kind of like, dude, you just posted this. Can this I, is yeah. kind of the same thing. Can but, I say this? Yeah. I think what I agree with yeah. is that regardless of the principle of whether the kids should be able to sell candy bars or whatever for the I'm school. I'm totally fine with them selling. I'm okay with it's that. It's not candy bars. This was coupon It's the books. fact that the guy went so hard after the other person to the point of calling the police. That's, that's what made me laugh. That's what yeah. made me laugh. And it's just kind of like. That was an overreaction. And yeah. then my thing was probably just like a. Right. What about this? It's right. kind of like when you screenshot somebody's tweet to kind of be like, "Didn't you post this five days ago?" Like yeah. it's a. There's a couple of Twitter accounts like that called Freezing Cold Takes <laughs> that are really funny, and they're always just like you know, just old like sports takes. You know, like so and so will never win a championship, and then yeah. so you post it the day after they win the title. You know, and you're like, mm. you yes, know, it's the like problem a, with everything today, even yeah. for us preachers. Like, there's right. nothing you can say that can't be accessible. Right. Everything. Uh, ages poorly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, usually. So, uh, comedy is a great example of that, honestly. Like, the comedy that I grew up with, that you grew up with, it, if you go back and try to listen to it now, it feels very hacky for the most part. You never go, why oh, this was ahead of its time. It's so, it rings so true still. Every now and again, you'll come across a couple yeah. of bits that are very, like, culturally significant or almost prophetic. But for the most part, you're like, this guy's telling airline peanut jokes. But when he told them, they were original. Nobody was doing it. Yeah. But if you listen to like a bit from the 80s, you're like, this is, this would not even be on Fallon now. Can I tell you how I agree with that? And, and you're not going to like this. Okay. Now you're going to. Mild bits. You're now like, you're, Johnny, I'm glad you brought it up because <laughs> <laughs> the stuff you're still doing is awful. You know I'm a huge fan of The Office. Yeah. A huge fan. Oh, okay. And, well, you're going to do the whole thing of like, they could never do that show now. Did people talk about that? It's not that. So I watch a lot of The Office. Yeah. And quite honestly, the uh, Benny Hanna Christmas episode yeah. bothered me a little bit this time. Right. It, there were some Asian tropes uh -huh. there that it feels like on the show sometimes that – because, again, they go after the black and white thing all the time. Yeah. Very – even handedly, uh -huh. and Michael's always the idiot, and that's well. That, you have you have Daryl, and you have uh, 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 rolling their eyes at him, and they're right. kind of like they let him get away with it, but they're like, "This guy's an idiot." Right, this guy's an idiot, you know. And then you have Kelly, who is Indian, but couldn't know less about Indian culture and all that. And they have the Diwali episodes a little bit, but it seems like again, Michael's the idiot. Mm -hmm. Diwali and Indian culture is not being put down he doesn't get it right you know and so he's being stupid but that episode with the waitresses that he uh -huh. brings back to the office it it's and he marks the one's hand or he, whatever yeah, yeah and it's very he's still the idiot but i don't i feel like they could have i don't know been a little more i feel like the other yeah there was some more insensitivity then and of course we're i mean yeah we're more we're we're definitely in a culturally it's a it's a hot button like everything feels like it's gonna it's a powder keg yeah. When you just bring up anything about race. Like, oh, yeah. Like even a comic who talks about race can just be called a racist just because they're talking about race. And I don't love that. Like that is kind of like that will hurt the art form when we can't go, hey, we're different. Right. And here's some cool things about that and blah, blah, blah. Like there's some comedians that are over the past 10 years have done some really cool stuff about that. Neil Brennan, like even Dave Chappelle, like Dave Chappelle has done interesting things talking about how. Black folks have so much in common with poor white folks. And he grew up in Dayton, Ohio yeah. with poor white people. And so he has this empathy for white culture that you don't see in a lot of black comics. And it's an interesting thing. And then you see comics like Neil Brennan, who yeah. co-produced Chappelle's show and was a co-creator of that show. Yeah. And he'll have this interesting insight to 
being a white person who has a ton of black friends and what that's like. And he'll explain it to his mostly white audience. I think if we take that person's ability to do that away by going, whoa, don't go there. Yeah. We're, it hurts us. It hurts all of us. Well, I think there has to be a responsibility on their side to know where the boundaries are. Have you read Hillbilly Elegy? No, so, but I know I'm aware of it. Yeah, I mean, and he, he makes some of those um, same comparisons because he comes from that Rust Belt yeah. time. But Hillbilly's from Kentucky who migrated north. It's yeah. a family in Kentucky and in Tennessee and Virginia in the coal mines or wherever tried to get away. And now they're in factories. And so, you know, it, it's uh, what happened in all these towns that shut down. But he compares a lot of that to a lot of the, the black communities, what they're experiencing in the same place. But it, it's one of those, again, writing a book about race, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, man, it's so funny. We speak out against colorblind culture, okay, mm-hmm. which I do. I think colorblind culture gets us more in trouble because, you know, Martin Luther King talked about the white Christian moderate who is more concerned with order than justice. Yeah. Meaning that if I just don't bring this up and keep the peace, then that's better Right. Then and thereby you're doing that, you're siding with the oppressor. Yeah. Like I was watching Mad Men the other night. Of course, that was 63, and Martin Luther King was assassinated on the show. Not that we didn't see it or them saying, like, it hap- that event happened in yeah. the lives of the characters. And they have a uh, lady who works for them who's black in, in the home, in the Draper's residence. And she's listening to the radio, and, and, and the mom, um, Betsy, Betty, sorry, Betty Draper is like, this is Don's wife. You think this, this is so like characteristic, I think of kind of how it was and is at times. There's like a both and going on. She hears it and she walks into the room and the lady's very upset. She goes, and she, and the lady turns it off and she goes, no, you don't have to turn it off. You can listen. It's fine. Yeah. I think it was like the news report and they were moving into arrangements and things and they were playing clips from his, some of his latest sermons. And she just goes, it's just awful. Do, do you do you need to take the day off or whatever? And you can tell she looks at her like, well, thank you. You know, like there was some empathy there too. And then, uh-huh. in the next breath, she's like, you know, all of this, you know, this violence though, maybe it's just not time for civil rights to be the thing. Maybe we're just not there yet. And you could just see in the lady's face because basically the assassination was something she had empathy for, but it was an inconvenience to the order of her own society. And so I think it was a Benjamin Franklin who said, and until I'm not, I'm not quoting him until the people who are not affected by injustice are just as inflamed by injustice as those who are being affected. Injustice can never cease. I mean, I'm I'm obviously adding my own words to that. But I I think think Mandela said something similar to that. Like when one of us is chained, none of us are free. Yeah. Like this idea, like we have to see humanity as a whole. Yep, uh, and we have to realize that yeah, if there's if there if one of us is in chains, that you can none of us can really ever rest. We we have to figure it out. But well, and that's the colorblind culture, though. To your point, like yeah. if you say you can't acknowledge race in anything that we do, and yeah. I do think comics can go way too far, or they can exacerbate the problem rather than yeah. add reflection to sure. it, which is what you're trying to do. But, but yeah. sometimes it's like it, something really really is a joke, and you're like, okay, well this is a joke, but it's like. Sometimes you have an issue with an uptight white crowd feeling bad on behalf of a race. Yeah. And so, like, I used to have a joke about early on. This was like a year into my career, and I had some dumb joke about uh, post-9-11. It was tough to be an Arab-American 
like if you wanted to start, he goes, I, I said, I have a friend who wants to start his own like inflatable games rental business. Yeah. And I was like, how's it going? He's like, well, I learned pretty quickly not to refer to them as blow ups. And like, that's a joke about how cultural insensitivity towards the Arabs limits them. And ra- it's how racism is bad because we like Arab right. Americans are limited in what they can do. But like when I would just say Arab Americans, you feel the crowd pucker. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's because they don't know what the they don't. I do. Like you believe... can make a joke that is anti-racist in in some way. I'm not saying that's a perfect joke. It's probably an insensitive joke. I'm just saying, and I don't do it anymore. But I'm saying, like, even if you have a joke with the best of intentions and you're trying to lampoon and satirize sure. uh, racism, you can be accused of racism yeah. while trying to satirize racism. And so that's where you'd go. Okay, where where do we go? Like, we don't have the. We talked about that one time about how the death of satire, like. We don't have the sophistication in our brains hardly anymore, except for broad comedy. We are broad statements, yeah. black and white statements, not meaning black and white culturally, but black and white, just like it's 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 good or bad. Right. I've decided your joke is good or bad. And it's not based on whether it's funny. It's based on who's looking over my shoulder. Are there anybody in the room that might be offended by it? Like, I think we're getting there where, and I'm not, again, I'm not talking about cancel culture because I do believe that it's very overblown. I believe we talked about that before about how, if you've made your living for the past 30 years on some transgender joke or some joke about gay people or you're some joke about uh, how black people are this and here's some stereotypes about Italians and that and you're mad that you can't do that anymore. Grow up. Right. Like comedy evolves. Audiences evolve. And some of them are just tired of it. Like it's not just a matter of like, ooh, I'm too sensitive. This isn't funny anymore. It's like. We've heard all these angles, and right. it's, oh, we're over it. So I'm not talking about cancel culture. I'm just talking about comics do push the envelope, and they probably should be given a longer leash than most people groups. I'm not saying that as somebody who does it because I have a very probably safe show. I have a mean show that's very clean, yeah. and I'm snarky in my show, but I don't curse. And I don't, I don't do a lot of race humor. I don't do any race humor. I don't do it, but I'm saying like – I, for my own experience in that community, I do think a longer lease should be given to the Dave Chappelle's, John Stewart's of the world because they're thinking it through. They're not just being like, how can I inflame people? We're not right. talking about that. To me, now there are people out there who do that, but for the most part, I see more nuanced takes from comics than I do other people groups. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because I'm of, again, it's not, the goal is not to not offend and I do gr- agree with you that you must take into account the nature of the genre. It's not the same thing right. as a long form book or podcast. Yeah. I mean, like it's got a point here. Well, sometimes it breaks down those walls. Like I remember seeing Richard Pryor as a kid who grew up in like brothels. Mm-hmm. He had a different, complete life experience than me. And if I was going to sit back as a cultural Christian and be like, I can't believe he's using this language, or I can't believe. There's something about the way he would talk. It would like I couldn't relate to his experiences, but he would draw me into his yeah. experiences as a black American. And then you'd see black comics like George Wallace, who I loved, saw him on Tonight Show, and his comedy was a lot like Seinfeld's. It wasn't just about his black experience. And that kind of made me go, oh, this is interesting. And it kind of tore down that wall for me that, okay, black comics can get up and talk for 10 minutes and it doesn't just have to be about them being black or marginalized in any way they can just share their viewpoint and it's still he was still a black person doing it and i still got his flavor of it but it was 
It wasn't like that dominated the proceedings. So the, in both of those, you know, I think you need both of those things. I think yeah. it's okay. When I get up in front of a crowd that's not uh, a church crowd and I begin to share my, because I have jokes that I, I did a corporate last night. And I was like, do I do any jokes about church? And I thought, you know what? My jokes aren't like, if you're not in church, right. then you're left out. They're, I'm not going to get HR called on me at a company for my church jokes. Because if anything, they kind of talk about how church culture has its own little picadillos and we all do weird things. Yeah. Like I have, I have a couple of jokes that I'm doing now about coming back from the pandemic and how these pastors are in a room with a camera and an empty room. Like it's a hostage negotiation video. <laughs> and I think that's relatable even if you're not, because here I was doing this thing and it was a virtual event that had people in the room too, but it was like 30 people in the room and like 700 watching online. Wow. So it was very like, I need to do this joke, even though it's about church. But I think somebody can relate to that because I'm pulling them into my experience, even if they're not a church person. Yeah. And I'm doing it in a, a non-inflammatory way. Whereas if I just go, let me mute this side of myself, then I'm really doing a disservice to my material almost. I think there's a time and a place. I wouldn't be like, and here's a worship song that everybody gets. Like, they'd be like, what? They don't get it. But I'm saying like, if there's a joke I have that's about that I can make relatable to everyone, but also share my experience in the world and through my, through my lens, I'm going to try to do it. Yeah. But I think the key is how much thought you're putting into it. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're not thoughtful and it reminds me of a, um, something I wanted to read when you're saying all that, because it, you're, you're being so thoughtful on the process, I think that's the issue is when those go, no, I'm doing it and I don't really care. Yeah, yeah. Because you're not saying I'm just doing this to not offend. You're also saying, what is my purpose? Where does this, where does this land? Where does this not land? And you're adding nuance to it because that's the deal. It's all about the nuance. And if you don't have nuance and you can't do multiple like cultures, like our culture has multiple cultures. Hmm. And so there has to be a, a a nuanced, I think, approach to it in order for it to uh, to work. Actually, it reminds me of a scripture, uh, James chapter three, which I preached on James this week. So it's a little fresh, Johnny. Yeah, it says the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and these are the ones that gives me open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That's ESV. Ni, excuse me, Amplified says. It's uh, first pure, then peace-loving, which means courteous and considerate, gentle, reasonable, parentheses, and willing to listen. Uh, it is unwavering without self-righteous hypocrisy and self-serving guile. Like, I just think this whole open to reason and impartiality and sincerity, even if your joke is edgy, even if your content is edgy, the question is, is what, what thought process yeah. are you putting through, putting it through? And you're, the goal is not. I mean, hey, my book's going to offend probably a lot of people. You know, I mean, like... Well, yeah, you're attacking, like, some strongly entrenched presuppositions, too. That's part of what's, you know... Like, if you're... Yeah, you're... Some of the some of the things that you're going to be showing historically about this country that we've been... It's been held up as this beacon of whatever. So it's like, you're immediately going, like, here's some things that right. show a history of us missing the mark here. That's offensive on its face to a lot of people. Sure. Just that idea. Well, and that's the whole CRT, you know, debate right now. Most people, in my opinion, that I meet really couldn't define CRT. No, if you ask them to define. 
Well, that's the hard part, too. It's like somebody tweeted that the other day. They were like, what race theory is it that we've been teaching that left out this? And it it had like eight things that we weren't taught in history class, like the Tulsa Race Massacre and all those things. Like, what race theory have we been working under? Well, yeah, yeah, everything everything is a theory. Everything is a perspective, and every perspective is offensive to somebody. Yeah, like the one you have now, there is none you're going to find that's not offensive. And I'm not advocating CRT, but it's, it's a little bit like the term white privilege. I don't advocate the term white privilege. I just think people are are reacting against a different term than yeah. what that one really is. So, like right. in the book, we go down. Hey, let me take you back to 1985 uh-huh. when this term first emerged from this you know uh, psychologist right. named you know Peggy McIntosh, and let me tell you the history of what it really meant, as opposed to just reacting to whatever some commentator or pundit told you to react to. Uh-huh. Like, really go learn. And then if you want to react to it, at least know what it is. And I think we don't really touch CRT in the book because we started to. It just takes too much room. I mean, you could, there's a whole book just about that. But, I mean, the idea – CRT, I think the reason people get hung up the most on it is they think what's well, you're just – Telling everyone that a group of people is racist by their very well-being. It's right. Very, just being, just existing. Right. You can lump people into oppressors and the oppressed. Right. And the truth is, CRT, from the way I understand it, is a legal construct. It is about the law being inherently having inherent racist parts of it, and it'd be hard to argue against that as a reality when the founding document of right. our legal system said that black people were three fifths human, and it allowed slavery. Mm-hmm. That was racist. That doesn't mean. I mean well, just, if you talk about systems, then you get into redlining and the way the GI Bill was distributed or not. And then, you, I mean, you go into a million things where, like, there were so many setbacks that were legally put in place right. that are systemic. So they if you're going right. to say systemic racism isn't there, I feel like you're just turning a blind eye. Right. I, I almost feel bad. I'm just like, all right, well, I, I can't. Again, I can't reason with somebody that can't at least go with me that far and go. Look at the past. Look at the things. Even if you just go, we got a head start. Even if you think that all is well now, which I don't believe, but if you believe it is, you at least have to admit we had a 400-year head start. Right. No, I, 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 coming to the place where that's not so offensive to say, and I think that's the outrage culture on – for some reason I feel the need to say both sides because it's true, number one. And then number two – I'm just one of those, like, I'm not on the far left, so I don't really feel, I mean, I, this is a constant thing for me. I don't feel the need to hold the far left to their stated values. Yeah. I don't agree with the far left stated values. I do feel the need to hold those who claim to be, and that's the sort of the point of the book, if you claim, regardless of your political yeah. slant, if you claim right. to be a follower of Jesus, then we are called one another to decide whether or not we are um, living up to our stated values and beliefs. Yeah. And so that that's that, I don't know. I don't know why it's the fly in the ointment. It kind of proves the nationalism is such a tough one to, to uproot and how deep it is when you bring America into it. Because when you talk to somebody on a spiritual front, you can say, hey, you believe in a fallen world? Yes. You believe in total depravity? Yes, a lot of people do. Uh, you believe in, uh, that that sin causes evil systems that have to be changed. Yes, yes. We have to be constantly, we're in need of forgiveness. We're in need of daily, uh, you know, we need to be sanctified. Okay. But you can't believe that fallen people would put systems in place 
that would disenfranchise people who were different than them and that those effects would still be being felt. No, no, now you're getting on my... Why? Why? I don't understand why that's a bridge too far for some people other than outside of nationalism. I do believe it comes from the fact that they think those ideas and what you just did is exactly what we were trying to do. You were taking those ideas from scripture. And when you think ideas like that originate from some boogeyman, monster, liberal, socialist, whatever, right. and they there are boogeyman, monster, socialist, liberals that we don't have to agree with. It's fine. Like, but I'm saying when you think anything now that speaks against your, the paradigm of thought that you have about yeah. what America is or what our history is, if you think all of that must originate from right. the very pit of hell, right. instead of seeing that there's a lot of it that originates mm-hmm. in terms of saying, hey, what would be the problem to right. say that America is not perfect? We can love America better. Yeah. If we stop we also acting hold it accountable. Like, yeah, yeah. If we act, that's exactly what the founders did over and over again. George right. Washington's again farewell address that we have the right to make and alter mm-hmm. government. Like altering government, meaning changing the way the systems work, is what was so beautiful about the what the founders did in the systems to create in the first place. Yeah. That it had it, at least it had fail safes in place right. that when they did come to the correct knowledge, we could pass an amendment that ended slavery. But so. yeah, that's the thing. It's like if you agree with one tenet of what can, can somebody considers a progressive idea, like uh, let's take responsibility for wrongs done uh, racially, then you've thrown in your lot with complete leftism. Yeah. Instead of or. Just if I think if I think people should take their vaccines and maybe not storm the Capitol, I'm suddenly a Marxist demon from hell. That's amazing to me that that these have become these huge like deciding issues. Like I was thinking the other day, I was in a restaurant, it was in IHOP, and I was having talking talking with a friend of mine about it later because I was like, I'm fascinated by. The idea that we've been cooped up and now we're back out and people are acting like they're the only people in the world now. We maybe have talked about this, too. There's a lot more FaceTiming out loud in a restaurant. This (laughs) person was having a FaceTime conversation while eating her pancakes at full volume. And I knew everything was going on with her friend Brenda. And it was so weird. And I just thought, and if you go to an airport, it's three times worse. But I kind of airports are their own thing, and I just go. People are going to act like fools in airports and wear pajamas and and ignore you as you run to your flight. They're blocking you like they're walking eight deep, side by side, arm in arm, like Red Rover. That's what's going to happen. But at IHOP, I thought, what's going on? And we were kind of talking it through. And this is a person who is a more one of the more conservative friends I have, and he kind of we kind of figured out. What's interesting is I I had the term collectivism. I said. I think American individualism has been pushed to us since the 70s and 80s as like this thing that's so important and, and intrinsic to what we are. Yeah. We are this individual, like it's e pluribus unum, but it's not just that. It's like, and it's become a me first thing to the point where if I give up any of myself for the collective good, I'm a socialist, like, uh, you know, communist. Like, those aren't the same things. Me saying, Hey man, I'm going to wear a mask to protect people around me. For instance, like I, I, I listen. I don't want the masks back. I don't know what's going to happen. This is a thing that we're all under stress about. But like an example of 
just collectivism. It's not the same thing as me going like, yes, and also I'm going to give everything I have and just hope the government does the right thing with it. And just keep raising taxes until we're all uh, ground into dust. I don't mean that. But you can't you can't just give one inch because people will lump you in. That's the hard part. There's no nuance at all. It's just like, hey, maybe we should actually like care about other people. And it's funny that Christians around me are the first ones to see that as a red flag. Christians being like yeah. the very definition of collectivism, the early church. Like, I'm not going to go so far as to be like the early church were communists. Like some people want to make that argument. Oh, they sold all they had and gave to those in need. I'm not even going to go there. But it definitely was collectivist. Well, there. I think that it goes back again. If you're making a joke, what questions are you asking before you make it? And this is the same thing. If you're evaluating, and I know we try not to talk too much about COVID because you know it's dominating our lives so much. Well, but, every, yeah, it's, it's everybody's. But if you're evaluating the question, whether it's vaccinations or masks or whatever, are you asking the question, what would be good for the whole? Yeah. And if you're not. Like, you may not be the only question you ask, but is that one of the questions going through what would be good for my neighbor? And I do think that even, and, and again, if you want to talk about American exceptionalism, I would go back and say, hey, you know, for everyone thinks maybe that I'm against America or something, let me tell you something. There's a lot about this country, much throughout our history, where people came together for the collective good. That's what made it great. Sacrifice. That is awesome. why America yeah. is great. I mean, we've, you've told the stories about people bringing the metal so you could melt it down to make, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. World War II. It's like, this is, this is what we did, and it's who we are. It's how we beat the Nazis. It's like, you, the, the sheer will that it takes to get on board with each other, I don't know if we have the political will or the human will to do that anymore. It's like we're so individualized. And here, I do think COVID accelerated. I don't think it's the reason. But we were taught in, a, in our own way to kind of close ranks. Yeah. Think of your family. You know, do what you got to do. We were all like out trolling for toilet paper like – we, were, we discovered fire. When I found toilet paper, I texted my wife a photo of it, John. That was six months ago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That was not a long time ago. I was like, look what I got. Like It was like daddy's bringing home. Like, it, what a weird time. So we were all kind of like, and I wasn't in the store going, now should I take two of these? Because I'm... <laughs> We were, we were, uh, so I'm guilty of it too. I would have bought, if they had said no limit, there's no telling how much toilet paper I would have bought. Wow. So I'm not saying that I'm not guilty of it. I'm saying, have we been trained and has it been accelerated? That idea that like me first, me, my four, no more. And what is that? When you, when you pair that up with what the gospel says, like it doesn't, it doesn't overlap the way we like to think it does in American evangelicalism. But see, it's a, there's a, there's a, Christendom historical parallel line to this in that and Laura and I were talking about some of this actually last night but there is a moment when things like common grace and the good of the body that Christianity became for us probably somewhere in 50s, 60s forward especially in our generation, 80s and 90s, it really was, a, this is all about, think about the terms that are used. This is about your personal relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And there is a personal relationship with Jesus, but when you kind of zoom out to the church universal over the history, yeah, you begin to realize 
personal relationship with Jesus could not exist outside of the community of faith. It was even Jesus didn't bring guys in one at a time. Yeah. He brought them in, and when they would argue and bicker, and he would say, look, the, the defining characteristic of all these things I'm doing with you is what you do with one another. And so, like, faith was defined by both. It's not like either or. Your faith in me is what secures eternity. Then your relationship to one another is what is the is the proving ground by which these things will proving grounds a strong word. I don't mean like it proves it because James would say yes. If without that work towards them, then you don't really have any evidence of this faith that you say you believe because everything about that faith said that you're supposed to love them this way and prefer others. And so, like it's this constant tension that we now we've gone to a very individualized, very um, a la carte yeah. kind of faith that and, and was there's so many choices that I can just disengage when community is right. uncomfortable. I'm not talking about just leaving a church or something, but I can just disengage. I don't like what you do. I can censor you. I can shut you down on social media. I can walk away from a hard conversation. I can go somewhere else and find the, the, the message, the podcast, the sermon, the book that says it the way I want to say it. I don't have to live it out in ugly, messy, real community with you. And I think that's what you get here then. Like, did you hear that the Texas governor has now threatened to find, this is in the news today, is threatened to fine businesses, private businesses, oh. if they enforce either vaccination policies or mask mandates. Now, what I understand about hardcore conservative republicanism is yeah. that it's against overreach of government right. power, it's, especially it's, into the private sector. It says businesses can do what they want. If anything, it says let's let's remove the let's unfetter them and let's yeah you know. remove regulation and don't tell businesses how to conduct their business. And now you're saying if you're going to right if you don't agree with me, I'm going to have some federal overreach. I'm going to do I'm going to get in here. Yeah, and if you're if you're a slippery slope kind of person, if that's your main argument of life, then where does this stop? Yeah. You know, like what's next? They can't wear ties. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you start, you can come up with all these kind of. I'd be in favor of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bringing that to the floor. But you're gonna char- you're gonna find someone. Again, it's the my values are my values when they suit my desirable outcomes. Mm-hmm. Real values, as the James passage said, real values are impartial. That's the definition of justice. Actually, that's why it says in the Old Testament that a righteous man swears to his own harm. Like if the law or the way I see the world can be changed when I need a different outcome, then the way I see the world is not impartial, sincere, or just. Mm-hmm. Like it, I have to be able to allow it. If, if, if I'm really about the good of, the, of, of everyone, and I say this, yeah. I'm not about overreach of government, then I can't suddenly overreach when it suits me. Uh, and I don't understand that, again, politics is full of that and always has been, but just it's just fascinating to me. I don't mean a soapbox. Well, it's just all the cards the right word, though. That's how news is. That's how all of it is. And that's the real danger. That's the conversation. I said, what's funny is I was watching uh, on TV. I was just kind of like doom scrolling through the guide on my uh, YouTube TV. And Anchorman 2 was on, which I was like, Ugh. and I just don't remember really caring for it that much. It was just kind of a, one of those sequels that didn't really need to be. And it was just it relied too heavily on the jokes from the first one. But there's this one moment where he's challenging, like he comes back to the news and he's sitting at the desk and he gives this speech about how the news used to be, the like journalism used to be this huge thing and it was like, it was an honorable, noble thing that we needed. 
because it kept those in power. I mean, here's Ron Burgundy giving this speech. Those in power would kind of tremble in their boots because these journalists were going to be out there holding them in check. Woodward and Bernstein, great examples. Then he says, at some point, billionaires bought the news. And he goes, and now it's this vehicle to pit us against each other. And I'm like, holy moly. He, I mean, he's talking about CNN and Fox. That's what happened. I mean, you got Rupert yeah. Murdoch on one side. You got Ted Turner on the other side, far left, far right. And we wonder why we're all just being like torn apart by every headline that's twisted one way. Well, they worded it this way. They worded it this way. It's like it's so manipulative and we fall for it. And then, then we had, then we have people in power who demonize journalism. Right. They act like they're the problems. I mean, we even had a president that said they were the enemies of the state. That's like the most pejorative thing that you can say about someone. Especially when the Constitution... That's like uh, calling them terrorists. Right, especially when the Bill of Rights uh, affords freedom of the press. Right, right? so That'd it's be, like... Uh, so, yeah, so when you... so you just, When we don't realize we're being played and we're doing a la carte things, we're saying like, oh, I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and I'll find someone that says it my way. That'll be my worldview, and I can live in that worldview, and I never have to let anything in. It's like we're all in these little cults. Almost. Yeah. Whether you call it a cult or not, you it have a, fits the you, definition. <laughs> you have a leader, <laughs> right? Whether your leader is Tucker Carlson or whether your leader is, uh, you know, uh, Anderson Cooper or whoever is whoever your voice is for the night. And you're like, I like the way he said that. And you're just like, yeah, but could he ever be challenged? Do you listen to the other side at all? Do you have friends who espouse other beliefs? No, no, I muted them all. It's like we don't realize we're doing it to ourselves, and I do it too, to some degree. But it's like, it's like. Even my buddy who I said is super conservative on Twitter, he goes, I had to get off Twitter because I had to realize 2% of people are active on Twitter. It's not the real world. He goes, you read Twitter enough, you think you're going to get marched into death camps. Like you think the whole world is ending. (laughs) And then you realize, oh, this is like a simulation. It's not even – it's just like playing out like the Matrix. It's not even real. And that can affect real world. In other words, you can get hopped up on something you read on Twitter enough to where you go act out something in the real world. But if you just read it and go – Man, we're all doomed. Then you go if you're around real people for like an hour, mm-hmm. you go, "Well, everybody here seems like they're pretty reasonable." Like, yeah, it surprises you. It's not reflective. Uh, it, it may it has real world things. It's not reflective of a, of a real world reality. What's Brene Brown it says? You know, people are hard to hate up close. Yeah, so you got to move in. And anytime I'm upset with somebody over something, like as a pastor, I learned this a long time ago. The best thing for me to do is to have to be with them. Yeah. Like just at a table, just doing something normal. That's why we do this. We they, hate each other. We have to but see Sean's each other. Like, well, we got to do this episode. Every week, so I guess I'll suck it up. And- <laughs> but it restores humanity. Uh, I even heard, or I was reading actually. Um, have you read what's so amazing about Grace Philip Yancey? I know you like Yancey. Yeah. You, read, you know he's talking about um, Holocaust and other things and people who whether or not to forgive atrocities on that level. And he's going through a process even biblically, 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 I should be able to say that word. <laughs> You've got a lot of work to do Whoa, if you're going to be my pastor. I'm preaching Sunday. Uh, you should, there's a process there by which God even goes through, and it always begins with him restoring the image of the humanity of the person who has wronged him. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he restores value. He acknowledges value, even though there is a pain there. 
Um, and then he goes through this process. But it doesn't mean you just go, oh, there's no – I mean God actually cares deeply about the consequence and this idea that Christianity is just forgive people. No consequence. The idea is the consequence is so great. God cared about it so great that he knew he didn't want humanity to have to carry it. He carried it himself. But he cared a lot about justice because he – was willing to pay all the price for all the injustice so that it will all be made right and we don't have to suffer the consequences of it. So this idea, you know, oh, this is just a, uh, Christianity is just to let everyone off the hook, scot-free. I mean, Jesus didn't get off the hook scot-free. That's the whole idea of it that we miss. It's all hidden in the plain sight there. But to your point, there has to be an acknowledgement of the humanity of someone else, not because they deserve it, but because of their the image in which they're created that brings value to them mm-hmm. so that it's you're they are more to you than just the wrongs they've committed or the wrong ideas they espouse. And that's a hard one for me. I mean, again, we got a guy right now in Mount Julia <laughs> who just made, <laughs> who just made national news. Again. I hear about, I get texts from all my friends, man, yeah. Your, your town's making the news. I'm like, I'm in Lebanon now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard for me because even me saying it on this podcast, someone's going to go look him up. Yeah. And it's what he wants. Yeah. He really wants that. So he's going to make the news again. And he's just said, if you come, don't talk to me about this, this uh, Delta variant nonsense. If you yeah. show up in my church with a mask on, we'll ask you to leave. We'll kick you out. Yeah. We're going to kick out people for wearing masks. And I go, man, it's hard for me. And people cheered when he said it. Oh, too. of course. And so that's not that's not church to me. That's a political rally. Yeah. You know, at some point, and I mean, show me. I don't even. Where is that scripturally? Like, if we can't back yeah. this up, what are we really doing? So it's like a. But I have to love that guy. Like, the, here's the thing: the, I can't deal. I can't control. I don't have to agree. I can speak out against it, but I can't. If the moment now that he becomes. Uh, you know, not human to right. me and a caricature and someone, someone just, just to, to be defeated or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Then I have already now, again, I'm not ascribing yeah. to the values to which I say I'm a part of. And now the, the, the person to check first, he needs to be checked. Yeah. But the person I have to check first is me. And I know it's a message people don't want to hear, but it's true. And listener, we hope that we've checked some boxes off of, of good things for you today to talk about. What do you think, John? I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I feel I feel worse now. Do you? No, I feel good. I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be okay, guys. Yeah. Look. Have some hope. That's right. Yeah. Hopefully we've helped, but who knows? Hey, well, again, if it only leads you to hoping... Hope in something higher than yourself and deal with the things the way you're seeing and realize you're, you know, it's not I definitely happening. do agree with like trying to gauge somebody on their a level of humanity because we, we need to get that. We need to figure that out. Like humankind, we've, we've, we're so connected more than we've ever been and we're so isolated more than we've ever been all yeah. at once. And I think that's something that's kind of a common thread in our show. We, talk, we wrestle a lot with, with technology yeah. and what it's done to us because it's doing it to us too. Yep. We're using technology to get this out. Yep. So it's like we're partakers and also we're very uh, apprehensive at the same time. And I think that's probably a healthy stance, you know. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Yeah. Just be, go hug somebody. Well, jeez, <laughs> oh, maybe wait. In six months, guys, I need you to go oh, hug. man. <laughs> Yeah, hug your family if you can. Yeah, go hug your family and yeah. try to engage with somebody that uh, believes differently than you do. And just to hear them out. Uh, you know, hear them out. It's, it, won't, it won't kill you to hear somebody out. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It won't kill you either to go to our website. Oh, right. Uh, Talkaboutthatpodcast.com, where all of our episodes are archived. Almost 170 now, Oh, which is far too many, but we're there. <laughs> 170. You could spend 170 hours hanging out with, with John us. and Johnny. Man. What's and better if, than that? If you want to hang out more, you can go. How much does all this cost? Uh, that's a great question, Johnny. It's completely taken me off guard. But since you asked, yeah. uh, it cost a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying, what would it cost them? I thought you were, I thought you were segueing to Patreon. Oh, no. So. It costs you nothing, but if you'd like to help us create more content uh, yeah. and help get the word out, um, then go to our Patreon. It's linked on talkaboutthatpodcast.com as well. Kick in a few shekels if you feel like it. If you don't, if you want to continue being a digital mooch, <laughs> there's no reason to feel bad about it in any way. None at all. No, no one would use words even to describe you in a way that might make you feel bad. Right. Like you're kind of you're listen, it's like if we had an, a spare bedroom and you're down your luck and you're like, "Hey, can we crash?" And you're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And then after a few weeks we're like, "Are they still when are they going?" Right. And you've gone back to work now and you're making six Yeah, figures. you're doing okay and I'm like, "Hey, hey, how about some rent?" And you're like, "Right." I'm just kidding, guys. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really interesting metaphor. <laughs> no, check you're it welcome out, to crash on our yeah, our hide as bed. Long as you want. You're going to love it. It, well, we, all we'd ask is is that you uh, ask other friends to come crash with you. That's even better. That's yeah. it. Listen, we love the Patreon people, but uh, all, we hope they're also sharing it with friends. Yeah. What do you mean by Patreon people? Patreon um, persons? <laughs> Patre- <laughs> Patreon beings? Yeah. It's tough. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, pretty exciting things coming up. We have uh, booked our friend Reggie Dabbs coming up for the 200th episode. Yeah. That's in 30 more weeks. <laughs> <laughs> We're already marking the days. <laughs> we'll probably have him on when the book releases, uh, our book releases in the fall. Uh, Johnny, I've booked three podcast interviews already with our publicist for this book. Uh, you so, yeah, are killing it, Pretty. Well, I hope it needs to be about 37. This is like a so. whirlwind marketing tour. I mean, this you'll, be asked the same, you'll ask the same questions, the same eight oh, questions. No, no, no. No? Two of, them, two of them are Enneagram podcasts. Oh, so it'll be a lot of that. So, uh, A lot of that. Yeah. The <laughs> others are friend Allison so far, the Kennedy Dynasty podcast, which is blowing up. You guys should check out She's Kennedy Dynasty. She's killing it. Allison's so gifted, too. She, uh, oh, I'm going to get his title wrong. She interviewed the White House Historical Society's president the other day. Oh. And it was amazing. I mean, she's uh, doing a great job. So, But, uh, yeah, so we got more stuff to pass along as we get a little closer. You're doing some interviews. You are supposed to interview yesterday, but I had your equipment. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's fine. My bad. It's okay. But that, yeah, I'm sorry Just, about you. Can sorry about follow me on social media and find out all the stuff I'm doing. Shows <laughs> are coming back. That's pretty good. Yeah. But please let the shows come back. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't wipe my calendar off again. Well, guys, hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. Hi, friend. Are you stressed, maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too? 
Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.